What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Artists of Data Science Open Office Hours. Super excited to have you guys here. What a week it has been. Do we have a new president of the United States yet? I'm still not sure, man. I have no clue if we have a president or not. Um, well, I mean, we still got Donald Trump as president, but I don't know if we got a new president yet. Uh, hopefully, you guys got a chance to check out the interview that I did with Annie Duke that was released on Monday. She goes at great length talking about why you shouldn't trust the polls. So check that episode out. Um, also, as of this week, we moved to a one per week interview release schedule. So I'll give you guys plenty of time to catch up on all the episodes you have not yet gotten a chance to listen to. So hopefully you guys um, don't miss me too much, but go through the back catalog. Lots of great conversations there to listen to. Uh, heads up that on December 21st, we're going to kick off the uh, holiday hiatus. So I'm going to have a Christmas mixtape made for you guys. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, but let's go ahead and let's get started. We've got Austin in the house and we got Nicole in the house. Hey, how are you guys doing? Hey, doing good over here. How are you? I'm good, man. Thank you. Good. Yeah. Awesome, man. So super, super happy to, to actually uh, get the chance to meet you, Nicole. So I'm uh, glad you were able to drop by. I know we've been exchanging emails. Nicole is the only person to send me some feedback on the podcast, and I appreciate <laughs> that. So if anybody else has feedback, you guys have my email address, right? Feel free to shoot me a message. I'm super excited to uh, to connect with you guys. Um, but yeah, if you guys got questions, man, let me know. If not, we can just hang out and just chat. Yeah, it's great to put a face to the email and the yeah. voice. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you guys got Austin, do you got a question on anything, man? I'm happy to. to, to yeah. Help. So, um, I guess I have a question around. Uh, I'm currently kind of in the middle of the process of going from Excel jockey to <laughs> uh, shifting more into uh, programming to do more of my analysis that I do mm -hmm. currently. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'm having a hard time trying to figure out um, when you have like deadlines and when things need to come in, uh, where to start. Like, do I start at something that I just have to do weekly, just like a regular report and kind of automate that piece and then start to expand from there or um, I guess, would you recommend just start trying to do it like brute force? Like, all right, trying to do everything as much as I can to build that muscle. So I guess let me back up a little bit. Um, so describe to me more your situation. So you're using Excel primarily at work mm -hmm. and now you're wondering how can I incorporate more Python into my day-to-day -day activity so that I can develop those skills and just get better at this thing over time, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. I I think a reasonable first place to start is by trying to replicate exactly what you typically do in Excel in Python for a couple of reasons. First off, you already know Excel really well, right? Mm -hmm. So whatever it is that you're going to be doing, whatever operations you're going to be doing, you're going to be confident in your output. So that gives you a baseline of comparison. Like, okay, here's what I did in Excel. Here's what the results look like. Now let me go and try to recreate that in Python and see if I get the same results, right? Okay. So start there, right? So now the next thing is, okay, if that's kind of my end goal, what type of activities should I start making this happen for? And I think you already have your answer there. You're mentioning that you have stuff that happens pretty regularly or on frequent intervals. 
mm-hmm. um, then start by doing those. Okay. So whatever comes up more frequently, just start by trying to replicate that into Python. And then from there, it's like, okay, probably step one is let me try to replicate it in a Jupyter notebook. Step two is probably, mm-hmm. right, cool, let me try to replicate it on the command line. And then finally, let me try to have it maybe just, I mean, I don't know what your architecture infrastructure is like at work. Maybe it's just setting it up as a cron job on your local machine. So that yeah. just kicks off periodically whenever you need it to. Yeah. So a lot of what I do, um, I end up working with like our customer survey. So like the feedback and um, at different points of our sales process. And we, we have data, um, like <laughs> we have it in a platform, but then we also take that and export it into like data warehouse. So tables and stuff. So there's multiple ways to kind of get at it. Um, and it's usually a lot of what I end up doing is there's someone comes up with a question and it's just like, Oh, where, what's going on here? How, how is this coming through? Um, so it's, I guess I'm trying to figure out like for those ad hoc ones, like getting more exposure. So that way I can feel more comfortable, uh, doing that, um, versus like the regular, the more regular frequency ones. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be a reasonable approach. Oh, Dude, we got a surprise guest here on the office hours. This is the one and only legendary Srivatsan Srinivasan. Um, if you guys are familiar with LinkedIn or YouTube, uh, then you will know Srivatsan. He hosts the channel on YouTube called AI Engineering, and he is huge, um, a huge contributor to the community on LinkedIn as well. His posts are always very informative, and his work is uh, amazing. Srivatsan, man, I'm so happy that you are able to make it today. Uh, thanks for thanks for coming. Harpreet, by giving this introduction, you are making me log off now. <laughs> was it not good enough, man? Was it what was wrong? No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's too much. <laughs> no, man, no, definitely. Dude. You deserve it, man. You've been such a, a wonderful contributor to the community. It's, I mean, it was an honor to interview you for the podcast and um, to have you take me up on the offer to come into Office Hours, man. That's awesome. I'm so happy you're here. Uh, so we're just, um, we're just getting stuff kicked off. Austin here was describing a situation where he's moving from the Excel world and trying to slowly pick up on Python. So he was wondering what type of tasks he should focus on, um, I guess, doing in Python to make his life easier. Do you have any uh, input or, or advice uh, to that? Yeah, sure. So so if you have been like doing a lot of data analysis on Excel, right, it's just um, Excel is pretty easy, first of all. But only thing is, as your data volume grows, Excel might uh, really crash, right? And that's where... Um, uh, that, that's why kind of you look at programming languages like Python and R, uh, where R is geared more towards uh, statistical modeling. Uh, Python still has the library, but not as comfortable as R, but Python has the market share. So uh, one one good thing is if you'll feel like uh, uh, once you get into Pandas, uh, it's, it's more like a tabular data similar to Excel. Only thing is, uh, you need to know the respective functions rather than having like Excel specific functions like lookup and uh, filter and everything. You'll have query and other functions in pandas. It's I would not say like it's going to be a art transition. It's it's only like you're getting used to all the Python functions and the way of handling Python data types. Right in in Excel, you will not have a lot of uh, data type constraint and everything. So knowing the 
uh, underlying data structures and data type uh, really helps. And at the same time, like a lot of people get lost when they really try to master A to Z of Python uh, to learn data science. You need not do that. So either you can take a problem uh, and then start working, analyzing the data, creating data structures for that, playing around and then running the model, right? Yeah, there's no need to boil the entire ocean to learn Python. Just just stick to what is required, and that will that will really make it easy. Uh, start with the data structures, then pandas, uh, matplotlib for visualization. I know Excel is pretty easy. You just click on the chart icon, uh, everything comes for you. Things are done. Yeah, my favorite resource for learning Python is called Python for Data Analysis. That's the book I learned um, from maybe like two or three years ago. I can't remember. But that book is going to teach you everything you need to know for Python with the application to data. So it's like an amazing resource. And another great resource, um, I think it's actually free on Udemy. Uh, but if it's not free on Udemy, the guy has the actual video series loaded up on YouTube. And it's Automate the Boring Stuff with Python. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, are you familiar with that book? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, at the beginning of every month, he uh, puts it for free for like the first week so every month you can go and get a code from like the python subreddit to get that for free yeah oh that's cool yeah right on yeah i just um i picked up the book a while ago and uh, i was happy to see that he's got an accompanying course to go with that as well Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah um but yeah man so hopefully that's enough to get you started on your transition from excel to python you know who else has amazing content uh all about excel and sql and using Python with Excel, um, David Langer on LinkedIn. So give him a follow. He's got some amazing content on there as well. Uh, so we got a couple of new people that just joined in onto Office Hours. We got Karen. Karen's like that. He supports the show so much, man. Thank you so much for, for all your, your, uh, your listenership. And then we also got Shivani. So um, Nicole, if you got a question, let me know. You're, you're also free to just hop in. Anybody at any point is free to hop in with any commentary whatsoever. Um, so definitely don't feel like you have to wait your turn or anything. Um, but yeah, if, um, if Nicole, if you don't have a question, then I'll turn it over to either Shivani or Garan. Um, Garan Shivani, uh, that's the three bots and three Boston in the house. So uh, if you got questions for him, go for it as well. Uh, hi, my name is Shivani. How hi. are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing all good. Uh, so I have a question. It's, um, I am uh, doing pursuing my master's and in third semester, and I'm in US. So uh, now it's like high time to search, you know, career options. But whenever I see uh, that I wanted to be a data scientist, so the first question of um, every person I ask for review is, where do you want to go? Like, what do you want to proceed? You know, what is your area of interest? So a good I would, question. I would uh, put some spotlight in it so that, you know, I can research more. Uh, I don't know how data applies to sales team. I, of course, I know like I've done little, little projects, but I was kind of hoping uh, more into it. Okay. So let me just kind of deconstruct the question, make sure I understand it. So everybody's telling you that you should pick a niche for data and you are not sure which niche to pick for yourself. Um, yes. Are you specifically asking how you can use data science for sales teams? No, uh, I wanted to look into niche. Okay. So, whole, like, how can I explore that? Yeah. I mean, first thing is just start thinking about what type of industries that you're into, right? Like, for example, I would never want to work in an insurance industry 
And I would never want to work in pharmaceuticals. Why? Because I've worked in both industries and I left them. So I know right off the bat that I would not pursue any opportunities in those two industries, right? Some things that I am interested in, for example, like e-commerce to me is extremely So is manufacturing and so is, um, and I'm blanking on industries here, but uh, let's just take those two, for example. Um, so those two are very, very interesting to me, right? They sound like, you know, modeling customer churn is interesting, modeling customer lifetime value, things like that. Those are very interesting to me. So I would gravitate towards that direction, right? Um, but it sounds like you're in a situation where like, you don't even know how data science is being applied to any industry, right? Yeah, actually, the only experience which I have is doing, you know, uh, exploring Kaggle for data sets, cleaning okay. it. And, you know, this much is my experience, like, you know, participating in competition. Mm, yeah. and- so case studies is going to be definitely the way to go. I see, uh, Karen, if you got uh, if you got some input, go for it. Um, but definitely read up as many case studies um, as you possibly can. We'll we'll dig into this in a little bit, but I'll let uh, Karen chime in here. And Sri Vatsan, if you got any uh, advice as well, go for it. Hey, everybody. Hey. Uh, first of all, it, it's nice to be on the office hours and I've been oh, listening man. to your podcast. So it's, it's been great. It's nice, finally nice to meet you. Well, in, not in person, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, nice nice to have you here, man. Yeah. And I qu- quickly wanted to pitch in on uh, what Shivani mentioned. I yeah. was in a similar situation just right, I think, just after I graduated um, uh, in 2018, around this time, of course, that was pre-COVID. But what I would suggest, and they said that's in a, like an a very honest opinion on things where if you are trying to uh, you know switch uh, uh, any verticals or things like that I, w- I always suggest people to first get the foot in, in the door where they have something in continuation because m- the primary reason I suggest that is because I, I found it very difficult to convince people that you know I can uh, you know, work on something that they might be looking at because in the U.S. they have like an option of so many people applying to that position. Mm-hmm. It becomes very difficult to, uh, yeah. you know, kind of support your case. And you have to be very thick-skinned in that way. I mean, I started out, I didn't have any data experience and my experience was only on that one year of uh, master's. And it was pretty difficult. Like I graduated in May, I, I got something in September. And that was like one month away from my uh, final month <laughs> in my, uh, I had to get that job. Like after that, I would have to pack my bags. So just in that way, yeah, I, I, that's my suggestion. Yeah, that's some excellent advice too, right? First, just try to get your foot in the door with any industry, especially if you have no experience, learn some fundamental principles, some guiding principles. And then once again, a little bit of experience, start to explore niches that are inherently interesting to you. Uh, Sri Vatsan, I'd love to, to hear what, um, what advice you have here for Shivani. Yeah. Uh, see, one thing I have seen, and don't mistake me with all the, all the master's education and college education, it's very algorithm focused, right? They, they teach you A to Z of all the algorithms, how to write it from scratch, how to use it and everything, right? Um, when you go to the real industry, 
to get to that algorithm, you need to build a uh, pretty scalable pipeline at the beginning. That can be your data collection, data analysis, data, whatever it is, red data cleaning and uh, other, or even like uh, uh, feature engineering, right? That's part of data engineering as well, as well as modeling as well. I would say like uh, broaden your skill. Uh, don't spend too much time in modeling. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that I'm telling don't don't uh, work with algorithms at all. Stick on to algorithms, but learn other part as well. It can be some part of data engineering. You don't master everything. If you are mastering in machine learning, yes, because data science is more than machine learning. Sometimes like we make it very synonym to machine learning. It can be your data visualization or any theme. Pick your theme which you are comfortable with. Master one of the team and also build additional capabilities. Just have a know-how of uh, other capabilities, right? That will make you more marketable, right? I know domain is something good to have, but when, when you are just out of college and working with a data set, it's very difficult mm-hmm. to build that capability, but it's not like impossible, right? There are a lot of good data sets available where you can uh, try to um, understand the domain better, read about the domain. If you are looking for finance, there is like American Bankers website and there are other lot of resources available over there. So build like broad skills. I uh, I know like uh, people will uh, say like uh, you need not do everything, but the industry requires that because you are supposed to see uh, a data scientist does not sit quiet for data to come to him. We need to be working with the business from the source systems to get the data and uh, get it to the model. Right. So broaden mm-hmm. your skills. Yeah, and definitely broaden it to be more than just the technical skills as well, because that will be um, super, super important. I have a question, like, um, as he as Sir said, that broaden your skill, explore yourself. So, like, what does he mean by that? Like, only technical skills or, you know, what else? Like, exploring more and more data sets, exploring more and more practice or what? So it's it's a combination of technology and the domain, right? Domain is what Arpit and Karan both were talking about, right? Uh, try to know the domain, right? Say if you're looking for banking or I know like uh, Arpit said it is not like insurance, so I don't want to offend him. <laughs> so so just go and understand some of the business processes, right? Now marketing is kind of common for all the industry, but if you yeah. go to banking, you can look at fraud, you can look at investment banking, how AI and ML is applied, right? If you go uh-huh. to uh, Google uh, Scholars website, you mm-hmm. there's a search available. You can search for a particular theme like fraud detection in banking, and you will have a lot of problems over there that are solved using data science. There are a lot of research okay. paper that you can find, right? So that is one part of it. Second part, even from technology. Right. It, it all depends on where you want to get to. If you want to get into more like the business analyst or data analyst role, I would suggest mm-hmm. focus on domain equally as well as technology. Right. But if you are looking for more on the modeling side or visualization side or something like that, focus on te- technology core. Like pick up like if you if you are learning data science, if you want to be in machine learning, learn all the algorithms. But at the same time, learn uh, data engineering as well, which is key to getting the data into your models. That, that was what mm-hmm. I, was, uh, called, I was mentioning. Okay, okay, I got it. So one mistake I was doing that I never researched. I just used to go to Kaggle and see at any random data and just used to think what I can get out of it. So yeah. this was a good point. Thank you, sir. Yeah, so Kag- here... Kag- Kaggle is good to... I'm, I'm sorry, I put... Uh, oh, no, 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 go uh, Yeah, Kaggle is good to improve your technical skill. 
but sometimes like the data set you play with in Kaggle is already prepared for you, right? They don't, they don't give the background about the data set, right? But if you go to a lot of external websites, you may find a lot of data sets where you have a lot of information. Go back and research that particular domain you may find even more uh, details about it. And you can build out a real easy kind of data engineering project for yourself using your own data, right? I don't know if you have like any wearable tech, like if you got any wearable tech devices, right? Uh, or even if you have any type of music streaming service or what have you. Bank account data. Bank account data, right? You can set up a streaming mm-hmm. pipeline, not a streaming pipeline, but you could set up a, a batch processing pipeline where uh, every night at midnight, you have a process that kicks off that just goes and pulls your previous day's activity, um, loads it in, does some manipulations to it, and then dumps it off into you know either a cloud database or a local database, right? And that's data engineering experience right there um, at a high level. Uh, so very valuable skills. So just look for interesting opportunities for you to to do stuff like that. Um, I mean, data really is available everywhere. You can even have, uh, if you wanted to, you can pull weather service data from like your favorite countries and have that refresh every hour and dumped into some database, right? So just little things like that. That's perfect. I was actually going to ask what you guys recommend for some data engineering projects. And before I even asked, you answered. <laughs> nice. That's a well, great one. Welcome, uh, Nicholas and Ashurdan. Uh, Nicholas is a friend of the podcast. He's been here a few times. Uh, Ashurdan is one of my mentees from Data Science Dream Job. Uh, you guys are really lucky today. We got the Srivats and Srinivasan in the house. Um, legend in the game. This, 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 is, this is the last warning for you, Albert. <laughs> All right, no more, no more. <laughs> no more. <laughs> no, no more. Um, but yeah, man, so super, super uh, happy to have you guys here. Uh, Shivani, any other questions or, um, you know, you're more than welcome to hang out for as long as you like, but uh, if you don't have a question, we'll, we'll kind of go around and see if anybody else has one. Uh, no, for now, it's, it's good. I- oh, Harpreet, uh, this yeah. is Karan. I, I just wanted to add something that, um, uh, that, 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 sorry, that's it. Uh, she Watson mentioned about it. Uh, one of the other things that I, well, over the last, like, maybe a year or so, we have also interviewed for some people in, uh, in my team. Uh, one of the things that we noticed was like, you know, some of the other basics, like for example, somebody has worked on a Kaggle data set for, let's say one of the famous ones is like Airbnb data set, predicting something on the price, things like that, right? Now people uh, have that on their resume, but when we, when we are like getting into a discussion on let's say, okay, how do you do this in, for example, a simple query in SQL or what are the assumptions of a linear regression? Now, what happens there, and, and this is true for me too, like I have been in interviews where I have been asked these questions. Now, what happens is that we have like a lot of questions in our minds about the advanced, I, I mean, I call it advanced because I, I don't work a lot in uh, machine learning right now, but it definitely is important to get the basics right. That's my point. So, like, like read a lot about statistics, read about SQL, get anything like at least 80 to 90% of what is being asked should be covered. And then maybe, you know, you get to a point where I think Kaggle is something that even I started out, but I have kind of put it on hold. Um, actually to do some more of reading on the statistics side of it because I knew uh, some of the questions that I saw online or, you know, people sharing their experiences, 
I wouldn't have been able to answer. And that is something that I have to take home. So yeah, that's that's just, just I I have started like suggesting this to people uh, sometimes who have reached out to me for you know uh, referrals and things like that. That's just one thing that I would want to add. Yes, how do you balance? Advice. How do you balance the two? How do you balance creating a portfolio of projects and learning? Because if you stick to learning, you you can spend years learning all the latest in the tried and true and but here's the thing yeah. you, don't, you don't need to know all the latest tried and true like you know all yeah. you need is the basic exactly the fundamental like a bedrock and equipped with this fundamental knowledge you can build on it on an on-demand manner right yeah so that's, and that's a great question actually sorry to interrupt Ravi. yeah yeah go for it so that's actually a, a great question so to that question so my answer is nobody is going to tell you about in a, when when you interview if you mess up a SQL question versus if you mess up a, a prediction a Airbnb question on your Kaggle dataset you are going to get ding more for the SQL <laughs> because that's that's one one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so SQL and statistics and some basic. Yep. Yep. All the bedrock. And I'd say anything that you do put, like, first of all, like your portfolio, keep it clean. And by clean, I mean, you don't need more than two to three projects on there and make sure that they're just airtight, solid, good work. And make sure that these are questions that you are able to answer, um, uh, like upside down, inside out, like Mm -hmm. left, right, center, like any question that comes from any direction, you will be able to answer it because that's what they're going to expect in an interview. Like my favorite thing in an interview is, um, I mean, obviously there's a set of questions that I have to ask that's consistent across people I'm interviewing just for the baseline comparison. And after we get through that, those questions, my entire focus is on what is on the resume. So if there's anything on the right, re- and I've had people do this, I've interviewed hundreds of people and I'll ask something about the resume and they're like, Oh, well, you know, I don't really uh, remember how I did that. That was you know, that's so long ago, or I was just working on a part of a team. I, I did one little piece of it and it's like, all right, well, why is it on your resume if you can't talk to me about it? Right. So kind of have that threshold that make that be like a mental threshold for, for your resume. Um, so regarding that, just, I have just a two projects is enough though. I'd say yeah, two to three projects is, is definitely enough. Um, as long as they're really well done, really well executed. I mean, you have the solid repository structure, your code is well documented, commented, making sure that you're using helper files when necessary, making sure your top level readme is just airtight narrative. Um, I'm curious, Srivatsan, what are some things that you look for in a portfolio project um, when you're reviewing like candidates for a position? Uh, I have a question, can I ask please? Oh, yeah. Uh, regarding the resume you said uh, about the project, um, I have like four projects listed in, uh, in my resume, which I have done. Okay. Now uh, I can exactly tell what I have done. Um, I can give answer that why did I choose this model or why I chose this language. But um, what if like sometimes it happens, like you know everything, but one interviewer asks and it's, you know, out of the context, like it's a hidden question in it. So how to tackle that situation? Like, um, I know it, but I was not, I'm just not able to, you know, tell you properly that, or it's a too much inside question that I never thought of it. Yeah. So that's how you manage the question, right? Like there's always a question behind the question, right? And you can always 
first pause and repeat the question back to them and dig a little bit further, right? Like if you require more information or you require, if the question is not clear, then the worst thing you can do is just sit there, pause like a deer in headlights and not say anything. So try to drill deeper, right? And offer up information and pause and ask, is this what you are asking me? Like, just, you know, making sure, right? Staying consistent. Um, what do you think, Srivatsan? Yeah. yeah. So, so let me first go to the portfolio question, right? And yeah. uh, let me speak because like my portfolio question will answer some of what Shivani is asking. So when, when you're building a portfolio, make sure like um, the projects are somewhat unique, right? The reason is like 95% of the resume I see as a portfolio, you have stock prediction and you have fraud detection, right? It's, it's, it's almost common. And um, I'm not sure, like if you have seen resumes, you might have noticed it. So, so kind of try to get hold of some unique data set, right? And uh, I'm not sure, like if you have seen, seen my channel, YouTube channel, I have a video on how to build a data science portfolio. And I also have a playlist containing projects for data science portfolio. Um, there are a lot of good data set available. Uh, and second thing is in real world, uh, the entire data will not come to you in a single CSV file, right? So try yeah. to correlate events. Right, if you're taking a lending club data set, right, uh, which is nothing but uh, customers who can default. So you can always correlate to macroeconomic and microeconomic scenarios. And these data sets are available online. You just need to pull in that multiple data set, try to create some correlation and then model it. Right? Then now coming to the modeling part, when, when you're modeling it, make sure uh, you, you just don't like create an algorithm and then tell, okay, this works this much. Try to create multiple algorithms and uh, try to present as a kind of a conclusion on what all you did and why did you select this and how you can explain the outcome, right? Because I can, I can take a neural network model, I can fit it and I may get the best accuracy. But if you are not able to explain the outcome of your model, right, then, yeah. then that algorithm is of no use in some industry. So the more you know your algorithm, you're able to explain it, that's added point. Third is how you can productionize this, right? You, your readme file, which uh, Harpit was talking about, try to make it a kind of a thesis paper if you can. Uh, not that lengthy, but at least an architecture on how you can, how, how you can take this model, deploy it, integrate it, right? So okay. that's, that was, I think, Nicholas asking, right? Uh, so that is one part. Now coming to your uh, question, uh, Shivani, right? Uh, the real world question will always be like out of syllabus, right? Yeah. Whatever, whatever, whatever you learn, you do, and everything. Um, now, when when you see like whatever you have done, sometimes you may not be able to answer it. Take some time, right? I know this, this, this. There's no one straight answer to it. Uh, take some time and maybe if you're not getting the question or the interviewer is not able to explain you clearly, take some time and always like uh, ask this, this is what you're looking for or you can give me more details for me to answer. Right? So that's, that, that's, that's the only way and that's the best way like you can uh, rather than pausing completely and telling, giving a pass, at least give it a try. Okay. So like, let's suppose I have like, I have done um, a project on machine learning for false detecting alarm. Uh, now, as you said, like I should take pause. Um, and uh, uh, before you said that, if they ask me, why did I choose this model? 
and it ha- it might have like a number of answers but if i'm not able to answer this question like answer this question till their expectations how will i know that at the same point like See, you are you are giving your best shot the interviewer one may might have some uh, might have their own like theory or uh, solution in mind now mm-hmm. you cannot but but you are giving your best shot but if you are able to answer it exactly okay i tested with these three algorithms uh mm-hmm. now these are all the metrics i got but i feel like this algorithm uh, will be better as i am able to explain the outcome uh tie it back to your data source right and then mm-hmm. you, you give a best shot you now everybody has their own point of view uh, it's a science mm-hmm. right there is no like one uh, way of doing things so definitely yeah. leave that but but if you are able to put your solution if you are able to confidently defend what you have done from your perspective from to your satisfaction that should be a good win for you okay. yes i was yeah. going to say pretty much the exact same thing as srivatsan because at the end of the day like you are the person that knows this problem inside out right so yeah. the reason they are asking that question is to see how comfortable and confident you are because there's a question behind the question the question is how comfortable and confident are you defending your position for a okay. chosen methodology right and were you aware enough mature enough throughout the process to have at least tried a couple of different things established a baseline and then against that baseline come up with some alternatives that either perform better and then amongst those alternatives that perform better like what else did you consider right yeah so the question behind the question is really how comfortable are you defending your position and did you think things through right that's what they really want to see is your thought process all right uh i'm a little bit like clear than before thank you so much awesome well you definitely feel free to uh hang out and yeah if you got questions let me know um so yeah anybody else got questions go for it this this is the part that i will edit out when it's on the podcast everybody on youtube has to sit through this though because i don't edit video um But yeah, if anybody got this question, definitely uh, go for it. Um, not not too um, often that you get to to interact with Sri Vatsan himself. Uh, if you guys haven't got a chance to check out his YouTube channel, I'll link it into the show notes. Definitely one of um, the most handy resources um, exploring exploring every aspect of of machine learning. So, Sri Vatsan, I'm curious, man, when you're setting up content for your YouTube, how do you decide what to focus on? Is it from what students have reached out to you saying that this is their what they're interested in or is it kind of pushed by what you're interested in at the moment so it's a combination of uh, uh, three factors right like one is uh, uh, one is what uh, my, my youtube subscribers reach out to me they want second is uh, when i created the channel i didn't want to go with the regular content of uh, teaching uh, the ml basics and everything i wanted to keep it more uh, towards how industry work and that's that's my first uh, uh, play first playlist i created where i'm talking about ml engineering because there were very few content on ml engineering at that time when i started right so that was the part then it was more focused towards projects right beat and nlp or now i am running a time series course right so this was more focused on uh, projects uh, where you can uh, relate it to how you can take a data set and how you can apply your algorithms and uh, basically also get insights out of your profit of your model so it was more that way 
uh, also like my experience comes into play because i'm not knowledgeable in all the reinforcement learning or even gpt3 gpt3 or whatever it is right what i know i kind of tie up tie it back to that one thing i always have students ask me during you know my office hours at day science dream job is students are always like oh do i need to know this thing yet do i need to know this thing like all the all all the jobs i see say they need me to know deep learning and it's like all right well you looked at three of them and the sum out of three out of a hundred but when it comes to trying to figure out what to learn next what is your advice to students is it go back and study the basics is it study this particular algorithm is it study this particular tech stack like what if, if somebody's at, at a point where they're like all right i feel good with the basics now what what would you tell them so basics is very important uh now if you take it back to industry as well most of the projects that are deployed in production are still the regular machine learning stuff right it, it's it's not like everybody use uh, uh deep learning or transformers or everything over there and deploy it i'm not telling not they don't it's not that they don't use it but 80% of the project still runs on your traditional machine learning algorithms we still deal with lot of text data right if you be it in insurance if you're doing a policy underwriting or risk claims or be it in uh, banking or any industry if you see we deal with lot of structured information and traditional machine learning typically works with structured information so get your basics right uh, be it the statistics part sorry no oh, i thought somebody was asking question so be it the statistics or uh, you are be it the machine learning algorithms and everything right now the second part comes to being more kind of uh, the industry or what market expectation ready right pick up one vertical it can be your natural language processing it can be uh, computer vision or it can be time series right so pick up one vertical and try to master it the next aspect is try to see like if you can also learn some cloud ai technology because lot and lot of ai projects are moving to cloud it can be your aws sage sage maker or cloud ai platform or azure right uh, i know we don't have time to learn everything uh, but but um, we are we are going to a phase in this uh, data science world right where new things keep evolving and uh, the adoption is also like uh, moving towards uh, cloud and other technology thank you very much man i appreciate that um, welcome to I'm going to butcher your name, man, but is it Belkasem? Belkasem? Uh, Karan, go for it, man. Um, Belkasem, if you've got a question, feel free to just hop on at any point. Same goes for everybody, but yeah, Karan, go for it. Um, okay. I had a question about, so this is um, something that uh, I wanted to ask about was on, uh, in terms of languages, for example, I a lot of what I do right now is, so this is an open question, like for anybody who has any you know insights on this would be helpful i do a lot of work where i'm not doing um, sql or python actively in my work now this is something that i i want to do in terms of predictive analytics but um, a lot of which i do is like uh, you know more more on the descriptive side of things where i'm using tableau all tricks tools like that uh, a bit of sql here and there but um, so the the kind of jobs i'm looking at and it requires an uh, a, a good amount of hands on sql and you know even python is there something uh, that you guys suggest about you know including uh, of course there are you know personal projects that we can do but 
I, I think based on my experience, SQL sometimes becomes uh, like, or, or maybe la lack of hands-on SQL experience becomes something of a, you know, a deal breaker. And is this all based on my experience? Like, is, is that something that you guys first, like two questions here is like something that you guys agree with or second is and about how do you think there is human or something that needs to be included that would help me convince that? <laughs> yeah, man, I'm about to out myself here. Like I suck at SQL. Like I'm not that good at <laughs> SQL. Like I, I know enough to get the job done. But I will slice, dice, summarize, aggregate, organize my data in Python, um, and then dump it back into a SQL database. Just uh, that's what I'm I more. I thought comfortable. I was alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm more, I'm more comfortable. Like a that. lot of us. Yeah, um, that's just you know that's yeah. At the end of the day, I, I I think it's important to focus on your how you can deliver value the most. And to me, trying to do what I do in SQL, I can do it quicker in Python. So I just do it in Python. Um, that's not to say that it's not an important skill. Um, like, you know, but not discounting the importance of SQL at all. Uh, but Sri Vatsan, what, what do you think? What do you think in respect there? So, so like uh, SQL, if you really ask me, is uh, very, very key, right? Uh, I would start with that. The reason is if you take Python, right? If you want to kind of summarize a data, group by, you write, okay, pandas dot group by of everything. And then whatever you want to roll up cube, you write dot cube dot roll up. Uh, you can do everything in a single SQL statement, right? If you understand SQL better. The second thing is the support of it. That's the main aspect. Because when you're dealing with uh, uh, CSV data, right? Uh, for data in a file, you typically uh, use can use the pandas function because CSV does not support SQL queries. But most of the time when you go to uh, real world, you may be dealing with databases, you may be dealing with cloud uh, BigQuery or Redshift or any of these databases. And those the only language that they talk is SQL, right? So your way of accessing the system changes. Now, you don't have to really be a master in SQL to start with. Right, because SQL is not difficult to learn, and with Google by our side, we always have a lot of solutions that can help us. So start learning at least the basic of SQLs, right? Like it can be as simple as your window functions or uh, group by and everything. Those are really not difficult to learn. Um, and when you go to real world, yeah, maybe you need to write a lot of subqueries, joins, and everything. Uh, at that time, you can pick up those skills. Uh, and there's a lot of resources to learn SQL, right? You can even uh, sign up for Google Cloud. You call, get a $300 uh, credit on sign off, sign on, and you can go to BigQuery. They have plenty of huge data sets and also working solutions documented. You can just play around with it and quickly learn SQL in uh, a week time, right? So you can uh, do that as well. But think about it, like you can play around yeah. with pandas, but if you go to industry, you'll be dealing with a lot of SQL data sources and you don't have much option there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, thank you for, for that. And I'll, I'll just ask one more question, Harpreet, sorry for that. And I'll, I'll, I'll then go back to the group. As good as you want, man, go for it. Sure, the concern here was that, um, so I agree with, you know, like I have been trying to do, you know, things on, uh, platforms like HackerRank, even on my, you know, uh, even in my work, I try to, you know, uh, get to talk to people about how they are working with databases. My concern is, uh, and over the last six months or so, has more 
uh, is more around um, when I mentioned that I don't have hands-on experience explicitly, although I work with a tool called Alteryx, which is essentially like, you know, uh, picking up things from SQL database. The problem is then it, it sometimes, and that is my hunch about it, is like they wouldn't consider somebody who is like, is not doing hands-on SQL every day. And unfortunately, yeah, that has been my experience so, uh, overall. But yeah, that's that's something that I've been trying to, you know. Experience doesn't have to come just from work, right? Like you can get experience without having a job by taking on yeah. personal projects. So that's that's the important thing, right? Like anybody can set up a SQL server on their local machine and anybody can pull data and have it dumped into this local SQL server. And start I, I have stuff. a suggestion uh, mm-hmm. for Karan for yeah. SQL. Yeah. Like you have to start and learn within just two or three days. There's a website called W3 Schools. Um, there you just see the code and you can, you know, they give you a practice type of um area there and it's very easy it's it's very fast uh, you can re- really learn in just three days the main focus whenever you go in front of interviewer because i uh, sql is like my strongest language so whenever you like a person interview they can only they will only ask you question on joins so um According to my point of view, once you know how to make functions, once you know how to make um, courses, once once you know how to make procedures, um, the main thing comes. They'll ask when to use what. So that will only comes come once you uh, choose the data set and start using joins. What is left join? What is right join? And making your own definitions in your mind. And whenever person asks you, don't follow the definition which is in your, in like you can Google out, but the definition which you can store in your brain. That how I connect, uh, I just write down small formulas like right join bring, will bring right data and matching data from left. So like in a very short, short words, make your notes and keep those notes handy. It will just come out for one page or two page. And if you have that single page with you and you're good to go. Nothing to worry about SQL. You just need to know joins. That's. It. I've Shivani, been asked some I, more I technical to, questions. Yeah, I, I need Shivani to come to every single office hours to give SQL advice because that was really good advice. Thank you so much for uh, for for sharing that. Uh, yeah, Nicholas, go for it. I've been asked questions about like the order of operations in SQL that I wasn't prepared for. This was mm-hmm. a while ago uh, about like how each of the different clauses, the order of that each of the different clauses are triggered. I've also been asked to. I've been given practice problems and some of them were more advanced than others. And there's a lot of other questions that I guess, depending on the position you're applying to, if they really care about SQL, sometimes it's it's a little more advanced. Yeah. So answer for this is like, this is very basic once you start. Okay. So first we'll come select, then from, then where, then group by, uh, then at the last order by. So in that, in that question, there's also having and other, functions yeah. I didn't know very well. <laughs> yes. So the answer to is this, like select from and where will always be the same and rest will depend upon how you write. Okay. So whenever the interviewer asks you that, tell me the order. So just give the, these three answers, like the definite, uh, like the order will be this and then it depends how you want to use. Awesome. Thank you very much for that. Typically, see, Nicholas, to answer your question, right, like you may be given a problem to um, 
uh, and asked to solve an SQL, all right? And uh, many times, like, uh, it's, it's more the approach the interviewer look, looks at, uh, how you are uh, kind of uh, uh, solving that particular problem. It can, it can be a simple problem, but uh, I don't think they are going to give you a data and then write SQL and fire it, right? Uh, but definitely, they'll be looking at, because uh, one of the typical questions we give is, uh, hire a... Uh, employee and uh, he had uh, three previous designation. It has three rows. So there are two tables, employee and uh, basically it's roles. I want to convert that three rows when I join into columns. So it should say like employee name, designation one column, designation two column, and designation three column, right? So here, what we are looking at, we are not looking at the exact answer, right? At least how we approach is converting from row to column is not easy task, but it's not very hard as well. So we are just trying to find, okay, is he able to approach the problem? If he's able to approach the problem, then uh, we are sure that when we hire him, he will be able to like uh, uh, approach any problem in SQL out there. There'll be some questions which are not straightforward. Uh, we are not definitely going to ask, how will you group by, right? Uh, typically, we go little more than what the regular SQL syntaxes are. Good enough. Some awesome advice for SQL. Thank you guys very, yeah. very much for sharing your experience. Appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Carl, yeah, I think most. Uh, so, uh, sorry, and <laughs> I think yeah, I think it. Uh, and maybe this was probably my experience here, but was I, I, even my discussions about you know what I have been working with. Uh, we are working with data in you know like I I work a lot with organizational hierarchy data. So we get to do like a lot of, you know, group by pivot, things like that. But, and maybe it was a, 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 a small number of people where I, I would, I was able to explain them how to do it. And in terms of how I do it right now with some of the tools that I use, but they were like, you know, very, very consistent about, you know, just that you don't have any hands-on SQL experience. And I know I'm, I'm repeating that again and again. But yeah. that's yeah, so that was my experience. Next time that question comes, when they say, "Do you have hands-on experience?" You can just tell them, "Yeah, I do SQL, yeah. not at work, but you know, I do it for my personal projects." And yeah, that experience to me is hands-on, and I yeah, it's no different. No <laughs> different. Than have to that way. My my convincing skills there. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you're when you're in that interview setting, like you. The words that I don't like, if you're in that interview setting, like you obviously don't want to say anything that's going to be detrimental to your chances of getting the job. And you also simultaneously don't want to lie, right? Yeah. But yeah. By, by flat out saying, yeah, I don't have any hands-on experience and that's all downhill. Don't do that to yourself. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I have a question everyone. to yep. ask. Yeah, go for it. Sorry for interrupting in can you suggest me some video links or somewhere where I, I can see like how people, how effectively you can, you know, um, express your project in front of recruiter? Not, not Let's not uh, take recruiter in front of anybody. If I want to explain my project, see, I will explain my project what I know, but to keep it effective, effectively is also very important. So I wanted to see some, you know, some samples of it. So can you suggest me some videos on that? <laughs> I don't know if there's any videos of people giving effective data science presentation skills, but I mean, it's just storytelling, right? Like, first of all, that, anytime you're doing a presentation. That's what I want to see. Yeah. So you think about this, you are presenting not for yourself, you're presenting for your audience, right? So first put yourself in their position, 
right? Mm-hmm. Think about what it is that they would want to hear, right? You make the assumption that whoever it is that I'm presenting to, obviously, if it's your teammate or whatever, like you can assume that they have more technical knowledge. But if you're doing it in front of like a recruiter or for a job interview, just make the assumption that nobody knows anything about data science and present at that high level while periodically pausing and saying, I can go into more detail if you'd like, just let me know. I can go into as much detail as you'd like, right? But it Mm -hmm. starts with first thinking about, okay, who's on the other side of the table and how are they going to be perceiving what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So Sri Vatsan, what what do you think? I, I guess let's flip the question like this. Uh, definitely uh, go ahead and answer Shivani's question, but I'd also like to get your perspective on what are some of the uh, non-obvious skills that a data scientist should have. See, uh, one, one of the things like when you're going to interview, uh, a lot of people that we interview, they miss researching on the position they are coming from, right? And it's easy to research in today's world. Everybody has a digital footprint. Right, say say like you are going to get interviewed from XYZ. You have the contact of them in the uh, in you in the mail, right? So you can always go and research on what they work for. They can be working in the cybersecurity space, or they can be with the Amazon Alexa team. You exactly know what what who are the people you are talking to, and based on that, you will also know like what is the questions you can get it and that that you can you can at least like 30 percent percent or 40 percent of the question you can inform infer from the position or from the post they make right like they they may be on linkedin they may be talking about something as some question so it, the first thing is research the background before going to interview and that will solve a lot of um, your problem right that will also improve the way you present it now, if, if somebody is calling you from the cybersecurity team and one of the portfolio project you have built is fraud detection, both are safe. In cybersecurity, you are detecting outliers who are hacking into your network. In fraud detection, you are detecting outliers uh, spend, like based on spend pattern or something like that. You can try to map your experience to what they may look at. right? And that's a good way of presenting it. I don't think there is any video that will really tell you uh, how to present because it's very like context-specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure. I've not seen any storytelling video as well. But it's not difficult if you understand yeah. whom you are interviewing with. Yeah, there's actually, I don't know, Siobhan, if you have LinkedIn Premium. Um, if you don't, you should because LinkedIn Learning, they've got some amazing stuff. I'll put a link to this. Um, but uh, there's a LinkedIn course, Data Science, uh, uh, Storytelling for Data Science, I guess, um, or Tell Stories with Data. Uh, it's written by Doug, Doug Rose. Doug Rose is awesome. I got one of his books on my desk right here. Um, he's got some amazing content. So definitely check that course out. And another person, I, I can't pronounce her last name, uh, Cole Nassbauer. Nassbauer-Naflick. There you go, that person. Yep. She's got some amazing uh, stuff on storytelling as well. So definitely uh, check that out. Um, so those are some kind of more direct um, resources for you, Shivani. So I mean, she, might, she might even have a course on LinkedIn, Cole... Dude, I'm not even going to pretend to know how to spell her name. <laughs> the K, maybe not. Her book, Storytelling with Data, is pretty good, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I clearly can't spell that name. Um, but yeah, check, <laughs> check, check, those, uh, check those resources out. Yeah. There's one a small suggestion that I would also like to add is uh, you can also try, and I tried this um, during my um, masters is that when I, I would sometimes present it to people 
uh, like friends who are not aware of what I'm working like at that point they are not doing any data courses mm-hmm. and spend some time with them just doing maybe a two or three minutes uh, of presentation not not to you know bore them out with a long 10 minute presentation i used to do that a lot and people get got annoyed but that was fine i got some good feedback or uh-huh. even now like in covid <laughs> the times we are in right now you can record something where you are presenting so uh, you know two and two and a half minutes of small presentation and ask people for feedback i mean there are two ways of doing it like the one that harpreet mentioned was consuming that data like consuming something where you are learning but mm-hmm. if you are not doing it actively and most of us get it while working right even like before i started working it was pretty bad i think if we everything that we did in undergrad i i yeah i i i don't like looking back at, back at it but that was some you know it's some uh, it took some time to you know that's a trial and error method that you have to get to yeah, there's no shortcuts um, around that also yeah. <laughs> that's what i was going to suggest to shivani is potentially you're just working with your friends you could set up a data science lightning talks event um and that's a great way to network with other data scientists and kind of learn what's going on in there their job search or if they're already you know have inroads into a firm that you might be interested in um just having a platform to give practice presentations to each other that are 5 to 7 minutes in length like you will just get better with time thank you yeah, thank you very much for that and if at any point if you want to come here and pretend like we are stakeholders and give us a presentation um you're more than welcome to to swing by to these open office hours to to do that and i'm happy to help you with that uh, thank you very much for that advice nicole and karen that's some awesome awesome advice uh, i also did a interview with t scott clendaniel i'll link that here and he talks about how to storytell with data as well um so definitely take a look into that episode but uh, if you don't have linkedin premium I don't know. Yeah, I have it. Actually, okay, my college ID, I can uh, Yeah. So I I link that uh tell stories with data for you right there so that should be um pretty useful for you. Um so I'll open it up for last couple questions we're just running up on the hour here so if anybody has a question go for it. Lightning round question. Um <laughs> do you feel like master's programs in data analytics, data science and or computer science are valuable? Um yeah i mean i've got a masters degree in <laughs> mathematics and statistics um i mean they're definitely valuable those people wouldn't get them but valuable for getting a job i mean i don't think they're necessarily valuable for getting a job i think what matters more for getting a job is practical experience in the form of projects i've learned far more outside of school than i ever did in school um so they're they're valuable if if you want one are they valuable for getting a job not necessarily what do you think uh, srivasan no you answered it arpit if yeah. it's valuable if you want one you said that yeah are you perceiving sorry hmm? uh, sorry somebody sorry to interrupt go ahead okay. yeah no. i was going to ask if nicole is uh, thinking about pursuing one but yeah i'm happy to hear anybody else's thoughts on this topic as well so i okay, i also think it depends a lot on at which stage of your career you are doing your masters i i i saw different people um, deriving different kind of values from a masters where somebody who has been working in the same domain was 
you know, focusing a lot more on getting connected to professors, alumni, uh, various things like it. And just as I was trying to just, you know, cope up with the pressures of some of the uh, courses I have taken, I could see different people doing different things. So, and, and that's the best way I think about it is now sometimes people just do it online, right? And that's a good way too, like because you get something, uh, you know, you, you need something in your work, go ahead and do something about it on, you know, through an online, maybe a six months course. And yeah. that works too. Yeah. And especially so it depends what you want out of it. Yeah. yeah if, if you're looking to get into research, then I think it's probably more useful there. Like, for example, like I was a biostatistician for longer than I wanted to be, but um like you can't become a biostatistician without like a master's degree because it's intensively research focused. You're designing experiments. You have to have this deep knowledge of, of statistics, I think. So if you're going into research, then that graduate level training is going to be valuable. If you're going into industry and you're planning on staying in industry, it probably won't be as valuable as practical hands-on applied experience. That helps. Thanks. Cool. Um, take it for any last uh, minute questions if not then um yeah i've got one yeah um so one of the things that as i've been going through and kind of doing projects or kind of following along uh, i've been trying to find or i guess do you have any suggestions for finding uh, data sets that are messier than what you would get something from like kaggle um, to work on like the the cleansing and the pre-processing because i know that's probably the most difficult part um and I'm just trying to find more that's not something that's outside of work, I guess. <laughs> so where where do you live? What city do you live in? Uh, I'm actually just outside of the Twin Cities. All right. So we're going to put Minneapolis and then we're going to put Open Data Portal, right? Most major cities um, in the world have a open data portal. So it looks like city of Minneapolis does have an open data portal. Uh, by the way, Minneapolis is freaking awesome. I love it there. Um, <laughs> My favorite brewing company is Dangerous Man. Uh, Um, So what is this? I don't know what this is. Um, I am a human, actually. Yes, that's true. Um, Oh, my God. All right. (laughs) Some machine learning. (laughs) (laughs) But an open data portal, you know, who's really easily accessible is uh, New York. New York open data portal. Um, They have some amazing stuff there as well. Um, so open data portals, that's like municipal city government data. Um, my friend, Mark Nagelberg actually did a really interesting project. Um, he was here in Winnipeg and he, uh, found a data set and this data set had all the trees that were ever planted in the city of Winnipeg categorized by neighborhood type, uh, all this interesting stuff. And he did a project based on that. Um, and it was messy data, real world data. I was attempting to do a project, um, but then time issues where I took uh, data from um, parking tickets. I took parking ticket data, coupled the parking ticket data with uh, socioeconomic data for that neighborhood because they had that, that granularity. And I was trying to test and see if police officers were targeting poor neighborhoods and giving tickets in poor neighborhoods. Right? So these are all, all examples of, uh, like messy open data that you got to work with um, open data portals. That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the one that you mentioned about the trees, is that something that turned into a dashboard? Because I remember uh, looking at something on LinkedIn that looked awesome. 
about uh, that like yeah, he did it. Um, I, I don't know if he's revamped or anything. He did it all in Python. It wasn't a dashboard. It was uh, in. Okay. He he had it. Uh, he was doing like Geo Pandas. He did it mostly in, in Geo Pandas. Oh, okay. To, okay. Yeah, it was really cool. It was a cool project. Definitely check that out. I see. Yeah, uh, Nicole. Um, yeah, there you go. Right on. Yeah, she's uh, plugged the links right there for Mark. Thank you for that, Nicole. Um, but yeah, open data portals, man. That's yeah, that was okay. such a good episode. Yeah. He also talked about space repetition, which was really. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's that's his thing. Yeah, Mark uh, gave him an open invitation to come on the show. He's uh, his son was just born a couple months ago, so he's probably tired. Um, <laughs> cool. Well, if there are no other questions, I want to thank you guys for coming on to the show. Special thank you to Srivastava for taking time out of your schedule to come and give such valuable advice, man. I really, really appreciate you being here. Uh, Monday got an episode coming up. Uh, releasing with Sadie St. Lawrence. That will be awesome. The week after that, I've got an episode releasing with Maya Grossman. If you're on LinkedIn, you might know of Maya Grossman. She wrote the book Invaluable. That's going to be an awesome episode as well. Um, and a bunch of other cool stuff happening in the near future. Uh, Sri Watson, my man, thank you so much for, for being here. I appreciate that. Everybody else, I really, really appreciate you guys being here, asking such insightful questions. This episode will be released on the podcast on Sunday. So will the video. So if you missed anything, you can always come back and listen. Take care and have a good rest of the evening. Have a great weekend. And hopefully we find out who the president is uh, sometime soon. Thank you both. And by the way, this was awesome. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you, everyone. Take care, everybody. All right. See you. Bye. Bye. (laughs)